Morning, church. You know that phrase, holy, holy, holy. There's something to it. It speaks of the unending eternity of God's glory. That's why the angels fall down. The 24 elders, they cast their crowns down. It's not about going to heaven to get a crown. <laughs> you know, uh, the things that we we seek after. I know C.S. Lewis said something, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, we're, we're over here making mud pies. <laughs> we're focused on things that are, I mean, we're going to be walking on streets paved in gold. And, uh, you know, those same things we put a lot of energy towards here. But it's it speaks of how vast and how great Yahweh is. That that's something that we would revere as, oh, it's bouillon. And it's something we got to keep in Fort Knox. It's something that we're going to walk on. Like how there's bubble gum on the ground and, you know, how dirty. And I remember back in the day, they didn't have closed-toed shoes. They walked on dirt roads. But that's the that's the idea so much greater is what the Lord has in store. Ear has not seen, eye, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. <laughs> what is in store? Thank you. <laughs> For those that love him, amen? amen? We need to root ourselves in, in Father God. Aren't you so grateful for Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the means back to the Father. You have, you have unhindered access because Christ came and died in your place and in my place. A debt we could never repay. We were all bankrupt and there was nothing we could do about it. But yet he came and lived a perfect life and gave himself as a sacrifice so that we could be redeemed. So that we can now have unhindered fellowship, communion forever and ever with Father God. Psalm chapter 1 verse 3 tells us. Speaking of the believer, the true follower of Christ who in and out of season is seeking after him. He or she shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Don't you want to be that person today? You are that person today. If you're a saint of God, if you've given over your life to Jesus Christ, this is you like a tree planted by the water. What's that song? I shall not be moved. You see, when when God, when when almighty God, when Yahweh is our source, no matter what's happening around us, we're going to be fruitful because Jesus himself said, whoever abides in him, in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. This is why, church, we must root ourselves in God. Because when we do, we can go into deep waters of eternal life, even right now, this present moment. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. This morning, we're going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a great time in this book. But uh, at any rate, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 7 this morning. This message is entitled, Known by Your Fruit. So when you get there, uh, if you could please stand for the reading of God's Word, either use your 
paperback Bible or pull out your phone and look it up on the Bible app. Or if you don't have either of those, the scripture will be on the screen behind me. Once again, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, starting in verse 1 down through 7. And it says, dead flies make the perfume's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart is to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Offenses, excuse me, to rest. Verse five, there is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places and the rich sit in a low place. Verse 7, I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. Let us pray. Abba God, we just come before you again. And Father, we just ask that you would help us to have a deeper reverence, a, a deeper fear of you, a holy fear of you, that we would understand that we come to meet you in the presence of your saints, that we want to go into the holy of holies. We want to do business with you and, and, and lay the problems and issues of life at your feet. We want to be filled with you afresh and anew so that we can understand that you are the only one that can truly satisfy us. The desires, the things that we struggle with, there, there's, a, there's a constant battle in all of us because we're, we're living here on this physical earth and we're honoring you, but we feel the tug. Every single person feels that tug. The flesh is always trying to gratify itself and the spirit is always warring against it. Darkness and light cannot have fellowship with one another. So help us this, this morning, this day to choose whom we will serve. Help us to choose life, Lord. I pray that you would bless us with the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Please give us revelation and insight. May your favor rest upon us. May you help us to rightfully divide your word. I pray that there would be practical application where we could see wisdom and the importance of wisdom in our lives is far greater than, than gold or rubies. So, Lord, may you receive all honor, glory, and praise. We thank you and we love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus Christ's precious, unmatched name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Like I said, you may be seated. Uh, I'm excited to start this chapter. It's, been, uh, it's just been very eye-opening for myself personally, seeing uh, just there's so much wisdom in the Word of God, and particularly in the book of Ecclesiastes. It helps you to frame a better perspective on how you see your own life, how you see the world around you, and what's really important, and the choices that we need to make on a daily basis. Amen? As we wrapped up chapter 9 last week, we learned that time and chance, they, they do have a part to play in life as, as, as events in life unfold. But despite that, followers of Jesus Christ must learn to live with an eternal mindset. Because if we don't live with an eternal mindset, time and chance will grab a hold of us and we'll find ourselves at the mercy of time and chance and, and we'll be disappointed. 
Because, oh, I thought it was going to go this way, but it went that way. And now I'm bummed out because my expectations weren't met. But if your expectations are, are seen in Christ, then even if you get the short end of the stick, you already know you're winning. You're coming out winning the race like Paul because you have invested your life in Jesus, not in people that are fallen and not in stuff. We were reminded once again that, that wisdom, godly wisdom, not, not man's wisdom, because we know man's wisdom is demonic. But godly wisdom is far greater than brute strength. And that wisdom is also greater than folly. Lastly, we, we looked at the fact that, that wise words are, are, are spoken quietly. When wise words are spoken quietly with a meek spirit, they're far more effective than the shouting of a ruler to fools. That will segue us into this chapter that we're going to start this morning. And we have several main points. I'm sure this one, the first one you guys are very familiar with. The first point is this. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Continuing on from chapter 9, Solomon makes this observation that it is far greater to tear something down than to build it up. We talked about that at length last week as well. And honestly, it doesn't take a whole lot to tear something down. We see this throughout Scripture. Uh, if you think about it, when we look at our text this morning, it says it speaks of dead flies. Dead flies found in a bottle of perfume that make it stink. It stinketh. Would you want to get up in the morning, ladies, and, and spray yourself with whatever your preferred perfume is, but you got some dead flies in there, right? You know, flies are what? Spawn from what? Maggots, right? Aren't they maggots and they become flies? A maggot with a fly with, <laughs> a maggot with wings is a fly. Do you want that in your perfume? Well, Solomon speaks of that and says that it gives off a, a wretched smell, a wretched stench. These dead flies are very little, but cause the whole bottle of perfume to be ruined and useless. It cannot be used anymore once the rotting dead carcasses of these flies is inhabiting this bottle of perfume. Again, we talk about this each week. But it's so imperative, church. This is why you and I must guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You see, because the mind is where thoughts are mulled over and decisions are made. It's in our thoughts. Someone doesn't commit murder without thinking about it first. Someone doesn't commit adultery without thinking about it and entertaining the thought first. Nobody goes and steals something from the loop without having the thought and thinking, I can take it. I want that. And you entertain that thought and then that thought gives birth to an action. If our spirits are not quickened by the Holy Spirit of God... We will receive every single thought that passes through our mind as it's okay or it's no big deal. The problem with that kind of thinking is it only takes one unclean thought when acted upon to unravel a person's whole life. One thought not brought under submission to the authority of Jesus Christ can unravel a person's whole life. 
This is why Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 tells us, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? The second main point is this. In time, your true character, my true character, will be exposed for all to see. Give it time. In time, you'll see what you're made of. You'll see what is really in you. You see, verse 3 in our text this morning tells us, when a fool walks on the road, everyone can see that he or she is a fool just by the way they carry themselves. I don't want to put myself on blast, but I'm going to say like this. You ever see people outside and they walking around and their pants hanging off of their butt? You look like a fool. You're not gangster. No, but, I'm, but real talk, they think they're gangster. They think they're hard. I don't want to get into where that came from in the penitentiary, but you find out about it, you'd be like, man, that's not the business. And it's not. But you don't want to be foolish. But the, but the scripture tells us the fool walks around and is known by his foolishness. You see, people may try to disguise themselves before others, wanting to be revered in a certain light. As the world says, put your best foot forward. But at some point in time, our true motives... Our true character behind everything we do will come to light. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13 tells us, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of works each one has done. Every person will be known by their fruit. The third main point is this. Many times, the foolish are given authority, while those who are trustworthy are given lowly positions. This is all too common in the world we live in. In our fallen world, it's not uncommon to see immature people given places of prominence, while mature people are made to take the back seat. An example of this is quite simple. When someone who's clearly not qualified for a position applies for a job and they get the position based on maybe the person who was hiring them thought they look good or they have the gift of gab and the way they talk is clever or maybe they have an inside job and they know somebody at the company and they get the job. While someone who's clearly more skilled and qualified gets passed over for the work. And that happens a lot. If you know your Bibles, I, 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 I think of, of Haman the Amalekite. <laughs> he was a foolish man, but yet he was put in the seat of prominence. This speaks also to of just the fact that God is sovereign over all things. And he knew what was going to happen to Haman. And he knew how it was going to play into the whole plot with Esther and her cousin. And so he allowed that to happen. But Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 1 speaks to this. Righteous are you, O Lord. When I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all 
who are treacherous thrive. Have you ever asked yourself that? When you look at the world around you, it seems like those who are, who are, who are influenced by demonic energy and, 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 and do not want to honor God, it seems like they're excelling. But it's only for a short time. <laughs> it's short-sighted how they're living. Better for you and me to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Amen. And in his proper time, he'll exalt us as he sees fit. All right. Let's go ahead and look at these verses, kind of break them down one by one. We can get a little more meat off the bone, so to speak. So looking at verse one, it says, dead flies make the perfumes ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Again, we see here Solomon use a parable that would have been crystal clear for the readers of his time to understand. And again, I'll say it one more time. Dead flies make perfumes ointment give off a stench. Have you ever smelled something that had a stench to it? That it was pungent? That it was rank? That it was nasty? That it was grotesque? This is the imagery that you get when you see this right here. Because this this ointment gave off a stench. It was supposed to smell pleasant. (laughs) But it did the exact opposite. If you were familiar with the account of Mary Magdalene who anointed Jesus' feet, with a bottle of expensive perfume, you can visualize this picture pretty well of uh, you know, a perfume bottle. I mentioned it earlier a minute ago, but back then they, they didn't have closed-toed shoes. We have the we have we're fortunate. We got Air Maxes and you know whatever. You got all these different kind of shoes that 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 support your feet and, and the soles of your feet, and you can walk out in the rain and not get mud in between your toes. But back then, you could only imagine the kind of things that would be on men and women's feet as they walked. They walked. Nasty. Pretty grimy. You could imagine the filth that would accumulate on their feet as they walked. But to go into someone's home, typically when you would want to honor a guest, you would wash their feet When they came into your home in Middle Eastern homes back then, this is how you would honor your guest. And speaking of when Mary Magdalene anointed Jesus's feet, there was a dinner in honor of Jesus at Martha's house. Mary took this bottle and anointed Christ's feet with this expensive perfume. And this was symbolic of preparing his body for burial. The thing about the bottles back then was they didn't have stoppers. They didn't have stoppers. You couldn't just just use a little bit. It's it usually just stayed on display because it was it was such an heirloom. It would be passed down from generation to generation. And maybe somebody fortunate enough, fortunate enough at some point in time, they'd be able to use it maybe on their wedding day, whatever the case may be. But there there was no way to properly store this bottle. So when you used it. You used it. (laughs) And if it was not stored properly, bits and pieces of things would get inside the bottle. And this is where Solomon's parable comes into play. The beautifully smelling perfume made of pure nard, it could have been, or, 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 or frankincense or different, different expensive, uh, you know, materials back then. It could wind up smelling putrid if flies got stuck in the bottle and died. 
So what does this mean for us today in 2024? Well, the application is this. A little tiny thing can completely ruin something. James shares the same idea in regards to the tongue. James chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, he tells us if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Similar scripture also tells us in Galatians chapter 5 verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So anyone that knows baking terms, you, you, you know men and women that like to bake, you know what leaven is, you know what it does. Just a tiny bit of this leaven rises the whole dough while making bread while it's being heated. The Apostle Paul said that a little bit of untruth, a little bit of false teaching, a little bit of impure thoughts is leaven that can actually affect and transform the whole person in a negative way. This is why, church, it is so imperative, it is so important for us as Christians to take every thought captive. Because every action lived out, whether good or bad, has its origins in our thought life. How is your thought life this morning? Do you just let any old thought blow through your mind and you don't think anything of it? Or are you really consciously looking at what you're thinking about, what you're observing. And this is why, how do you guard your your heart by guarding your mind and your ears and your eyes? You can't just listen to any old music. You can't just watch any old movie. You can't just watch any old show. You can't just go to any old place. There needs to be a vigilance about how we live our Christian life. And just like a few little dead flies can stink up a whole bottle of perfume and the tongue, which is so small, can bring about life or death. And just like a little leaven could raise the whole lump, one thought birthed into action can affect a person's whole life. So we must apply this principle found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So you see in the text it says take every thought captive. That means that we have to be engaged with what's going on in our thinking process, church. Every thought means every thought. I was telling the men in prayer this morning, you know, the Lord was... Gently taking me to the woodshed yesterday. I had to do business with the Lord. And he just reminded me, he said, what about me? (laughs) And and, and it was so cool because he was just showing me that wisdom is is greater than than silver and gold. And, And it was so enriching that the Lord was gentle with me 
and kind of where my thoughts were going. I was hyper-focused on something I was trying to obtain, and I just was spending too much time thinking about it and focused on it. And, and, and the Lord brought me to my knees and I repented and the Lord brought scripture to mind. And, and then I, I just was, 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 I was freed from it. But this is so important church. He says every thought I'm, I'm, I'm camping in on this because sometimes we don't think that this is true, but he says, take every thought captive. That means everything you think you have to filter it through the word of God. And it's either for God or against God. If it's all about you, you need to die to self. And we all have to continually die to self each and every day of our sanctification. That's just the reality. <laughs> sanctification is hard and it's, and it's painful because we don't want to die to ourselves. We have trouble serving others. Even if we have hearts to serve others. I know we do. I know you do. <laughs> because I do. And we're no different. So that's why we have to take every thought captive and, 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 and subject it to the authority of Jesus Christ so that we can be on the right plane and move in the right vein. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and look at verses 2 and 3. Solomon goes on and he says, A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he's a fool. Oh, that's that's not cool. I don't want to Lord, I don't want to be that guy. I do not want to be a fool. Lord, help me to not be that person. In biblical times, the right hand was regarded as the side of strength, of skill and favor. The wise man's heart is known as a strength to him. This is not true for the fool whose heart is at his left. You see, right and left are natural symbols for strong and good on the one hand and for weak and bad on the other. This is a cool fact, a little side note, but the Latin word for sinister means left. <laughs> sinister, pretty cool. But it's not good. It's foolish. It's weak. It's not blessed. To be sinister. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, the son of Abba Father, now sits where? At the right hand of the Father in the place of all authority given to him. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 12 and 13. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Right hand of God, excuse me. Waiting from that time until his enemies should become made a footstool for his feet. I love this. This is an anonymous quote. And it says, To have one's heart at his left side is to have the springs of life located in the realm of practical and spiritual incompetence. So you don't want to be on the left. <laughs> you want to be on the right. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 tells us, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. From your heart, what you allow into your heart. Again, connecting your mind and your heart. What we allow in will manifest itself into our actions and how we treat others and our attitude and all the like. We next see this statement of uh, the foolish man as he's walking or the foolish woman who's out about in public. They show themselves that they are a fool. 
The foolish man has a way of making his or her folly evident. As Jesus would later say in Luke chapter 7, verse 35, wisdom is justified by all her children. Well, what's the application for our lives today? Well, the application is this. Wisdom and and folly, either or, will become obvious in our lives. Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 down through 20. It says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. We have to ask ourselves today, what kind of fruit are we bearing? What is it that we're giving off to the world around us? Are we giving off a smell that is a a, a sweet smelling aroma? Or is it the smell of perfume drenched with dead flies? Is our fruit the fruit of the Spirit? Or is the fruit that we're producing the fruit of the flesh? You've probably heard this question before, but I really want you to consider it. If you were on trial, accused for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your life today to convict you of all charges? I'll let you think about that. (laughs) All right, uh, let's move on to verse 4. He goes on, Solomon, to share, If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offense to rest. You see, when a ruler's temper rises against us, Solomon advises us that we should not abandon our position because keeping our composure in Christ will protect us. And just think in your, in your own life, I'm sure we've all had situations and circumstances where somebody has verbally assaulted us They've, they've come at us falsely and sharply and harshly and venomously. How do we respond? <laughs> do, do we bite back? <laughs> do, we, do we lash back out <laughs> and, and go toe for toe, toe to toe with them about the situation? I, I know it's easier said than done, but as Christians, we are not supposed to strike back reacting to whatever is done to us. We're not. I know it's very tempting too. I know it, 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 it's hard to tame the tongue. James speaks at length about the tongue. And we just talked a little bit about it. How, how dangerous the tongue is. It can bring life or death. But we're still commanded as Luke chapter 6 verse 29 tells us. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either it's a heavy heavy call (laughs) it's a heavy call but don't misunderstand the scriptures church we are not supposed to sit around and simply be someone's punching bag no not at all 
But we as children of God are in fact soldiers in the Lord's army. Don't ever forget that. I, I, I have a righteous indignation towards those who think Christ is just, they think of him as just this, this, this weak person. And, and depicting him on, he ain't on that cross no more, man. And when he was alive, he was a carpenter. I don't think he had some big old beer belly and was out of shape. I think he was fit. I think he was skilled. And, 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 and you know, even as Christians, we, we get this picture painted of us as if we're just weak. Now I get it spiritually. Yes, you know, we, we need Christ. And we, we need Father God. We need the Holy Spirit. But he imparts to us strength and wisdom and vitality and intellect and, and revelation and all the things we need so that we can be. Don't forget, you are a soldier in the Lord's army. You're a soldier. What do soldiers do? Soldiers fight. Soldiers don't just cower away. And there has to be a strategic tactic of how you go about your mission to accomplish the victory and the goal. We get our, our, our marching orders from the chief officer who is Father God through the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the means that gets us back to him. But we are soldiers in the Lord's army. And soldiers fight. Do you know today that you are in a fight? You're in a fight whether you like it or not. See, some Christians just want to wish it away. It's just like the person who has cancer that says, I don't, want, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. If I don't hear it, I don't have to be accountable and I can just wish it away. No, it still happens. So if you don't deal with the cancer, it's going to get worse and going to get worse. Spiritually, there's a spiritual cancer called sin. And those who don't deal with it are going to go to hell. Those who have dealt with it in Christ's name now have been forgiven of their sins, but there's still warfare going on every day. Don't be so aloof in your thinking that you think that there's no spiritual warfare going on in your life. Things just don't happen. There is a spiritual component to every single thing that manifests itself in the physical. Scripture speaks of it. What did Jesus do when he was on earth? He was blessing people. He was saving people. He was teaching, but he was also walking around casting out demons everywhere. You think demons ain't all around nowadays? We are in a war, church. But rather, we are fighting a spiritual battle, not a physical one. You see, we are called to rise above our circumstances and respond to every situation in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. This is why we are to pray. This is why we are to go down into the stronghold. Do you know when, 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 when the enemies of God found out that King David had been anointed king, they rushed, they, they rushed and, and ganged forces to kill him. When David found out, what did David do? Did David bicker? Did, did David cry? Did he whine? No, the scripture says he went into the stronghold. Is Yahweh, your God, your stronghold today? When all hell breaks out in your life, where do you run to? I hope, there you go. Run to the stronghold. You get in prayer. You get in the word. You talk to Abba God. You tell him your circumstances. Not that he already doesn't know, but he wants us to cling to him. Amen. This is why so many Christians are not having the victory they should be having in their lives because they're not clinging to God. 
They're clinging to their iPhone. They're clinging to their job. They're clinging to their spouse. They're clinging to their, this idea of, of, of being fulfilled in some kind of other way other than through the Holy Spirit. We have to, church, cling to God. Amen? Amen. Speaking in regards to the spiritual battle and speaking to this, uh, this idea of, of a ruler coming against us or someone speaking harshly or not being fair towards us and being harsh towards us, Proverbs chapter 25 verses 21 and 22 tells us, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you for it. See, we're supposed to bless people that curse us. The Bible says, what good is it that we love one another? The sinners do that. We have worldly friends. We all have worldly friends that are very kind and very nice and they love one another. (laughs) Even the sinners do that. What good is that? Jesus said, you need to love those that hate you. We love each other up in here because we're all cool with each other. (laughs) Because we have the Holy Spirit. It ain't, it ain't, well, some, you know, some sheep bite, but still. (laughs) It's easy for us to love one another. But what about that person in your life that you butt heads with? What about that person at work? What about that person in your family where it's like they are the black sheep? Where they're like, oh, here comes old boy. Are we loving on them? We're called to love like Christ loves. We are to emulate Jesus, who is our Savior. Jesus is the manifestation of Father God. Remember Christ's example of suffering. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 tells us, speaking of Christ, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, which is who? Father God, which is Abba God. So you see, again, he didn't lash out. He didn't fight back. He's, he, he's, he's, he's the example for us. He fought back, but in a way that's not of this world. He fought back by giving his life, by sacrificing himself so that mankind can be redeemed. Think about also, remember when, when Christ was arrested, when, when Judas had, had, had traded him in, Right? So that he would go to the cross. Remember how the Apostle Peter reacted? Jesus basically told him that he had to suffer and it had to be violent. But for Peter to administer violence was not the way to resolve for the sins of men being forgiven. Remember, uh, Peter went to slash the, the, the soldier's ear off. He's like, Lord, <laughs> Peter was always in the midst like that. He's like, Lord, for right out, wouldn't it, didn't remember when, when, he, when, uh, when, when, when Jesus said, who do you say I am? <laughs> yeah, you're the son of the most high, you're the son of God. And then Jesus said, hey, he commended him. He said, you know, flesh and blood didn't, didn't reveal this to you, but the revelation of my father gave it to you. And just in the same breath, you know, Peter said, far be it from me, Lord, you're not going to go to the cross. And what did he say? Satan, get behind me. Peter should be a big encouragement for all of us. Me and Eric were talking about that this week at work, and it's true. You look at Peter's life, man. He had such an anointing, such a blessing on his life, but he was a knucklehead and he went through it. That's an encouragement for you and me because his sanctification wasn't perfect. He had to work out all kinds of things, but he was used so greatly by the Lord. So 
So if that's you today, I know that's me. We don't got it perfect. Be encouraged that you just keep going. Do not throw in the towel because you made some poor choices. Repent, get right with the Lord and keep on trucking and lock in. That's what you and I have to do. The word translated composure is marpe, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is often translated healthy or health or remedy. The application is this. The remedy for a great offense such as temper is composure. We are to stay composed. We can't be falling apart. We can't be falling out just because somebody came at us harshly. That is not the way for a mature believer in Christ. You see, the temper of a person directed towards us is dangerous. I'm not not negating that. But the proper response is to avoid reacting. Just flashing back. That's how people get killed. I mean, think about the whole Super Bowl thing. When cats came out, guns drawn. Homeboy said in, 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 in the report, he said, he looked at me. And just based off a look, he just, I'm going to shoot now. And it must have been, you can't, so if they look, I mean, you you know, back in the 90s, if you grew up in that area, you know about looking hard and people getting beat up for looking hard. It's not worth it, man. You cannot, sometimes it's not right to match people with that same energy. It ain't, be, it ain't about being a punk, it's about being wise. Do you want to lose your life? Do you want to get into a scuffle that may, may, may change the, the rest of your life based on somebody saying something or somebody looking? Think about all the, the marriages that have, have fallen apart over, over couples just, just one, one's yelling and the other just yelling back and then nobody wants to humble themselves. You got a messed up situation. Think about all the strained relationships with parents and children. And children don't want to humble themselves. And the parents get mad now. The parents lashing out. I get the rod of proof and all that. But there's a difference between, you know, disciplining and spanking and beating. <laughs> we we, we got to be led by the Holy Spirit in all things. Composure requires remaining unfazed by surrounding circumstances. The world would say tough skin. I'm not saying you got to have tough skin. I'm telling you to emulate Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power and the ability and the authority to be like him, to be like Christ. To remain calm and not to retaliate at every accusation that is flung against you. Look at Christ. What did he do on the cross? They said, man, if you're the son of God, come down. Come down off of there. You talk about you saving all these people. You can't even save yourself. Foolish they were. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They don't even realize that I'm over here saving this whole world. <laughs> because he could have called a legion of angels to come swoop them up and just burn up all these people for talking. And he does go to links later on in the scripture and talk about every idle word that we say. We're going to have to give an account for you and I. Oh, gosh, that's crazy. I'm like, Lord, I said a lot of dumb stuff in my 45 years of living. And I'm going to have to give an account for that. But this is the remedy for a violent situation to remain composed in the Lord. Remember, Jesus Christ is all powerful, but he is also meek. 
meaning power under control. And that's how you and I have to respond to accusations flung against us is being meek about the circumstance, power under control. We could lash out, but we choose the higher road. Amen? All right, last two verses, five and seven. It says, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. Verse 7, I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. You see, there's a great problem with favoritism. Solomon wants to remind us that it is not all fair in this life, but there are some that get ahead by means that are not right. Foolish men are sometimes promoted or accepted to positions of great leadership, and some lowly men are unwisely exalted. These are the servants on horses, while some noblemen are humbled, and these are the princes that walk on the ground like servants. You see, again, sometimes we see the undeserving are elevated to high places, and the better qualified or suitable person is dismissed or ignored. Sadly, too often, People are not favored because they are qualified, but rather they are preferred because a prominent person just likes them. Um, You know, a lot of this in the workplace with sexual harassment, this goes on all the time. Just because somebody looks a certain way. Okay, now you get this position, but then it's the, the whole, what is it, the quick pro quo thing going on. And that's not cool. That's not good. But you see these things going on. It's like, why you pass up this person? Or uh, what, who's the... Daniel, who's the, who's the airline that they're hiring all kind of African-Americans now just because they want to hire them? You, I think that's pretty much every airline. All the major ones. I'm flying on an airplane because I know the pilot's qualified to fly that plane. I don't care what race you are. <laughs> How silly can we be? I mean, that doesn't make no sense. But that's what the scripture's talking about. People that are elevated to places of authority based on what? Not based on the skill. Now, if you are, you are. But if you're not, you're not. And let's call it what it is. Remember, James chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 speaks on this. I won't, I won't read all those verses, but I'll, I'll paraphrase it. It, it, takes, it talks about a, a rich and a poor person coming into your assembly. He said, woe be it to you if a, if a rich person comes into your assembly. That's like somebody who's, you know, whatever. They're decked out, a suit and tie. They, got all, you know, they look like they're a million bucks. They say, oh, yeah, come sit in the front. And then one of our friends comes over here and, you know, they're homeless. And we say, oh, yeah, you go stand in the back, man. You go stand in the back. That's not okay. It's not okay. It's very interesting because the poor and the rich from believers should all be treated the same. It's very interesting because God's kingdom works completely different from that. You see, God doesn't call the qualified but he qualifies the called this is how he works the application is this when a society begins to honor folly over those who are well accomplished it is an evil that will corrupt the entire society and i and i hate to say this but that's where we're at (laughs) that's where we're at as a culture we, we embrace folly and we scrutinize and bigot 
the truth. There, there must be a serious revival, and it starts in the house of God. All of us, as soldiers of God's army, as children of the living God, need to take a serious look at how we're living our Christian experience and ask, are we doing enough for the Lord? Meaning, are we giving of ourselves? Are we being as transparent and open so the Lord can fill us up with himself to send us out into the communities that we live in to be a blessing to those who are dying? We can't be worried about what's going on in Washington, D.C. What's going on on your block? The mission field is your house, your job, your neighborhood. It ain't about going to Africa. There's already enough missionaries over there. There's already enough missionaries in China. What is going on in your sphere of influence and my sphere of influence? Church, we have to wake up. The Bible is clear that this, when a society begins to embrace folly, it's never a good thing. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 10 tells us, It is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury, much less for a slave to rule over princes. What do you see today? As Michelle and Isaiah come up, well, we're going to end right now. May we live in such a way, church, that we keep short accounts with Father God so that we will not let a little leaven leaven the whole lump. By this, we will be able to be known by our fruit, which is of righteousness in God through Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for you. I thank you for your presence in our lives. I thank you for the timeliness of your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts to the heart and the marrow. It gets to exact the exact situation of where we're at. Father, help us to be bold in our witness for you. Help us to honor you with our lives. May you fill us fresh with the Holy Spirit that we could know your presence and know your love for us in such a way that we would be overwhelmed with your goodness, and want to see others blessed in the same way. Father, I thank you and I praise you. May you be exalted. May you be lifted on high. May we serve you all the days of our lives. I pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.